the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands is being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. 
He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If if you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands, is being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stopping. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to me. Well, good morning, everybody. I want to welcome you to Victory Christian Fellowship. We're so glad that you're here. And if you're watching online, thank you for joining us. It is a great day in the Lord. Amen. Our God is a good God. He's a loving Father. He's a faithful friend. Hallelujah. He's a wonderful Savior. Glory to God. Father, we just are so thankful and grateful that we are on Jesus' side. 
And we thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice of love and how you love the world and gave your life for it. And, Lord, we just honor and exalt you this morning. We welcome your presence here, and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together.
to compare the name of Jesus to. Nothing on the earth, under the earth, or above the earth. Hallelujah. Do you agree this morning? Hallelujah. We worship you in this household. Oh, 
every victory in it. Your name has all power in it, Jesus. Your name cannot ever be defeated. Your name is the one name that contains winning, victory, power, authority. Your name is the highest name there is and there ever will be. Come on, let's worship in this house.
listen to you now as you speak to us. Shiatoko shaha nieha mae sheyamama shaniakia o nahane shamae kiako shamamieta shomane yakoho For I'm your shepherd and you are my sheep. I will go before you and I will lead you out and bring you into rich pasture. For I have good plans in store for each and every one of you, my children. For I love you. Before you were formed, I thought of you, I designed you, and I created you, and I brought you here. For such a time as this. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. You may have your... Actually, let's just keep standing and we're going to pray for some of our brothers and sisters in Europe. I heard from the director of Rama Ukraine that... The mayor of Kiev has spirit-filled, born-again believers around them. Amen? Amen? And uh, God is doing a work. You know, uh, Rama has uh, several campuses in Ukraine. And uh, God is moving. And I read this this morning in 2 Thessalonians. It says, finally, brothers, this is 2 Thessalonians 3.1. 
Finally, brothers and sisters, pray continually for us that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be honored just as it was with you and pray that we will be rescued from perverse and evil men. For not everyone has the faith. But the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen you and will protect and guard you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord concerning you that you are doing and will continue to do things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and to the steadfastness and patience. So Father, right now, we join our faith with the faithful in the Ukraine in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we call upon you and we pray that you will deliver Ukraine from unreasonable and wicked men because not all men have the faith. And Lord, I thank you that you will guard them and protect them and keep them in the name of Jesus. Lord, the world will see the supernatural power of God. And we give you thanks and praise. We come against tyranny. We come against dictators. And we, we, we stand against them in the Lord. And Father, we plead the blood of Jesus over Ukraine. We pray that you would turn this into a peaceful time where the gospel can flourish and thrive in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for shedding your light on the Ukraine and on this world and in the United States of America in the name of Jesus. Deliver us from unreasonable and wicked men. Wicked plans of the enemy must come to stop in the name of Jesus. They must cease and desist in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we thank you that the Spirit of the Lord is still here in America and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom, there is emancipation in the name of Jesus. And Father, we thank you. You have given your people, your church, a voice in this earth. And we can declare and decree the Word of God with authority and power in the name of Jesus. And our prayers make a difference. Our prayers are weapons in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for performing your word. You are the faithful God, and we love you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right, you may have your seats now. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, it was colder in Oklahoma than it was here. They had four to six inches of snow, and they don't plow. (laughs) So, uh... I prefer when it snows here versus when it snows there. But uh, praise God. Good to be back. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, once again, we're going to speak the word. Amen. Amen. Don't you feel empowered that you can speak the word of God and get the results of heaven? Yes. You know, God just needs some people to speak his word on the earth. Yes. That's all he needs. You know, I was thinking when we were praying before it it runs. We We should speak. That the fires of the enemy are put out. They're yes. snuffed out. Yes. And the fire of God will prevail. Yes. So the world Amen. is showing all the enemy's fires that the enemy wants to start. Yeah. But it's time for the world to see before their very eyes, poof, yes. supernatural fire extinguishing. Yes. Amen. 
Hallelujah. All right, let's make our confession of faith. We ask, we ask our God, God the, the glorious Father of Jesus, for spiritual wisdom and insight, that we may grow in our knowledge of God. We know the Father through Jesus, and we are deepening our intimacy with Him. We believe God's light is opening our imagination and understanding, so we can know what He has called us to do. We believe that we can benefit from His rich and glorious inheritance in us, and we are learning how to function in His immeasurable, unlimited, and surpassing power that works in us because we believe. We believe that we can function in the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead, the same power that makes Jesus far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. We are his body. We are made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. We are victorious overcomers and reign as kings in this life through his grace. At Victory, our vision is to reach out beyond our walls with the message of salvation, hope, and inheritance. To proclaim the uncompromising word of God, to build a strong body of believers, and to encourage relationships in a loving atmosphere. We activate God's word to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. At Victory Christian Fellowship, we are inheriting God's promises and experiencing their benefits. Amen. Amen. Good morning and God bless each one of you. It's good to see you here. A few announcements for our week. Tuesday, March 1st at 6 o'clock is Air Force, our youth group. 6 to, six to 8. They're still sleeping. Okay, wake up. We thank you all for participating in our fundraisers as we are excited to go to Rama camp meeting, which Pastor Doug just came from Rama Winter Bible Seminar. So um, we thank you for that. Wednesday night refreshing is at 6.30, March 2nd this week. And then next Sunday is March 6th which would be the first Sunday of the month. So women, we are having our book club. We're starting Identity Reset. It's a good book for March. And then Woven, our women's conference this year is April, 9, uh, April 8th and 9th, a Friday night and a Saturday. Sign up online or in the bookstore. Get your tickets and plan to come and bring someone with you. You could bring your whole office, you could bring your whole street, you could bring your whole family, like think big. Come and learn about the ministry of angels in your life, in the life of a church, in the life of a region, and gain from Dr. Michael Jacobs 40 years of, of learning and studying and teaching. And one thing I learned from him, listening to him on YouTube, is when you're teaching it about a subject, it activates more. 
So he has more than just to teach us. He demonstrates angels come and minister with him. So it's like bigger than we can imagine. So think big and plan to come. And then he also will be our guest speaker that Sunday, April 10th. I'm calculating because it's not on here. (laughs) April 10th. So you can plan to invite um, the guys in your life for Sunday, April 10th. Registration is by donation. So you can do that online at vcfpa.org or in our bookstore. God bless you. Thank you for those wonderful announcements. Praise the Lord. Now, you know, you don't have to have heard of someone who was a, a speaker in order to benefit from them. Right? Because you've got to know that your pastors pick good quality people. Right? And uh, it's going to be awesome. We're going to have a new speaker for uh, the women's conference, and we're going to have a new speaker for the men's conference. I met him. I, I met him in face to face on the, in the conference uh, when I was there. Uh, Gabriel and uh, Sean they give our they give their regards to you. Uh, they are doing well and are busy, busy, busy. <laughs> and uh, Sean was ushering every morning, going to church at uh, seven a.m. And uh, Gabriel was doing uh, videos and playing on the worship team. And uh, but they're doing great and they're thriving and. Uh, if you ever, if you want to know about Rama's future, I, I would go go to Rama.tv or Rama website and watch the Wednesday morning service of Winter Bible Seminar. Pastor Denise Hagen, my goodness, she brought it, and uh, she really laid it out about the future of Rama. And uh, man, it was awesome. It was the highlight of my week. And uh, they have Winter Bible Seminar every every February, camp meeting every July, and um, I was good to connect with uh, some alumni. Uh, they had an alumni luncheon and an RMAI luncheon, and it was just wonderful to connect. Amen? God's got a big body, and uh, you all are part of the Rhema family. Amen? You've been, you've been grafted into it. Amen? <laughs> Glory to God. I want to just read a scripture before we dismiss the kids. Uh, In Genesis uh, 22, Genesis 22, and uh, I just want you to see how how God thinks of offerings. Uh, In Genesis 22, starting with verse 1, it says, Now after these things, God tested the faith and commitment of Abraham and said to him, Abraham... And he answered, here I am. You know, that's a good response. When God speaks to you, just say, here I am. That just shows you that you're ready, willing, and able to do whatever he says. Amen? Now, you're not going to know what he's about to ask you, but you're in that position of readiness, right? God said, take now your son, your only son of promise, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Now, Moriah became Jerusalem, which became Solomon's temple, which became where Jesus was crucified. So your offering affects generations. Okay? And uh, and offer him there as a burnt offering 
on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Wow. So what did Abraham do? He wept all night. No. The Bible says he got up early. Everybody say early. And saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he split the wood for the offering. And then he got up and went to the place which God had told him. In, in obedience, following the instruction, listening to his voice. Okay? And uh, go down to verse 11. Now, uh, you know, when, when Abraham was walking there with Isaac, and Isaac, he was a smart young man. He was not a kid at this time. He was probably a, a, like a mid-teenager, maybe even older. So uh, he says, yeah, I see the fire in the wood, but where's the offering? And his father said, God will provide himself a lamb. Amen. Say, God is my provider. Okay. So Abraham goes through everything, right? He's got the knife raised. And in verse 11, the angel speaks to him. The angel of the Lord called him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He answered, here I am. The Lord said, do not reach out uh, your hand against the boy. Do nothing to harm him. For now I know that you fear God. And you have not withheld your son from me, your son. You know, we shouldn't withhold anything from God because he's the one who gave it to us anyway. Right? And whenever God asks you for something, he's got provision on his mind. Okay? Verse 13, Then Abraham looked up and glanced around, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horn. You know, the ram wasn't there when he got there. The ram was there when he was going through the offering. Right? And then, how many know provision just showed up? How many want provision to just show up? Well, obey God in offerings and tithes. Amen? Father, I just give you thanks and praise that we have the wonderful honor and privilege to invest in your kingdom. What a good thing it is, Lord. And we thank you that this is good ground. We thank you, Lord, for the offerings, the tithes, and the gifts that your people bring. And it goes into your kingdom. It builds your kingdom, Father. And we are just so grateful for your Abundant return in Jesus' name. Amen. You can give here. You can give online. However you want to do it. God bless you. Amen. Bless the givers. All right, kids. Awesome kids. Incredible kids. Wonderful kids. You're about to experience the Holy Ghost and fire on your level. Have a great class. Be dismissed. Amen. Hallelujah. (laughs) Yeah, in Tulsa, it was 70 degrees one day and 15 the next. (laughs) Yeah, I remember being in Tulsa and they said, if you don't like the weather, just wait a minute. (laughs) It's true. And uh, so, yeah, there was lots of snow on the ground and but everything worked out. Uh, They still had to, you know, they still got to have their meetings and things and. People got around. It was awesome. And uh, enjoyed my time there. But it's good to be home, amen, to the greatest church ever. Tell you what, God's doing something here in Palmyra. And uh, this morning, I want to talk to you about knowing God's will. God actually gave me this uh, yesterday as I was flying back. You know, I spent uh, 12 to 16 hours in the airport this week. Part of uh, Monday, I was supposed to fly out in the morning, but the fire extinguisher wasn't working on the plane, and that's a safety issue. 
Well, the airport didn't have a mechanic there to fix it, so they had to bring one in. Didn't know where they were coming from. And uh, so I got another flight. So instead of getting into Tulsa at 1230, I got there at 730 in the evening, and which is okay. And, uh, you know, you just be flexible and you get to walk in love. Amen. You get to smile. Hallelujah. And uh, God is good. So I spent four hours in Harrisburg, then four hours in Chicago, then finally got to Tulsa. Amen. And uh, coming back, you know, I had to spend four hours in Charlotte. So I spent a little bit more time in the airport than I wanted to. But God is good. Amen. You know, sometimes we want to complain about the journey. But I'm sure that if Joseph had a choice, he'd have went to Egypt a different way. All, all he needed to be was in Egypt. You know, sometimes we can't be so concerned about how we get there. Right? Because really, if you're too concerned about how you get there, you're going to miss why you're there. If you're complaining about how you got to where you are, you're going to miss why you, why you are where you are. And today I want to talk to you about knowing God's will. You know, God has a will for you, a plan, a desire. Amen? He has a place where he wants you to be. He has an assignment that he wants you to do. He has a type of person that he wants you to be. Amen? And God has a plan. He has called each and every one of us to do something particular. Specifically designed for you. And he thought about this a long time. Long before you were ever on the scene, he was thinking about it. He was thinking about it before you were born. And he was so excited when you came to this earth. Now, the enemy tries to get you off of God's plan, get you out of God's will. And he does that through deception. That's his only weapon, really. And uh, so if you're not doing God's will, whose will are you doing? Think about that. Who are you pleasing? Why are you here? Are you just taking up space? Or did God bring you here to do something? Now, there are several ways that we can get to somewhere. Right? Number one, we can use a map. Right? My father, who was a state farm agent, he's retired. Uh, He was an agent for 34 years. Every year they would get these road atlases, right? He still has one in his car today, (laughs) even though he uses GPS. But, man, he's a map person. And uh, he helped me how to read a map, and I'm grateful for that. Another way that you can get to where you need to be is through another person. Now, how many has ever been to a place you've never been to, and someone's given you directions? Oh, you go by that big house, you turn by the big tree, and you, go, you make a left of that big rock. What are you talking about? Right? How many has ever had directions like that given to you? Right? They're, they're telling you the landmarks, and you don't know the landmarks whatsoever. So, probably the best way to get to where you need to be is not through another person. Okay? You can get to where you need to be through your experience. Right? Because you've been there before, you know the route. Like, I don't need a map to go uh, back home to Illinois, uh, because I've been there so many times, I know how to get there. Right? But you know what? Um, your experience can only take you so far. Your experience is not eternal. You can't live your life based on your experience. That's like trying to drive solely on your rearview mirror. It's not, a, not It doesn't give you the big picture. Okay? Or... 
Today, we have uh, advanced, we have GPS, right? In our pockets, on our phones. We can use GPS. Recalculating, recalculating, right? You know, uh, GPSs are wonderful, and they're incredible. Um, or, this is one way that you can get to where you need to be. You can shoot for the best and hope it works out. Let's just get in the car and drive and see where we end up. <laughs> hey man, how has ever done that before? But you know, Jesus has a better way of getting you to where you need to be. It's called his will. And Jesus is our greatest example of doing God's will. He did God's will fully. He completed it. He finished it. He didn't miss a mark. He didn't make, he didn't even have to make a detour. He followed God's plan. Alright? He will show you because he is the designer, the cartographer. I had to look that word up. That's a person who makes maps. He's the, he's the designer, the cartographer, and the GPS all wrapped up into one. Amen? He is the map because he's the map designer and he's the voice that tells you, you need to recalculate. You need to turn around. Right? He's our GPS on the inside of us. Amen? Go to Galatians chapter 1 for just a moment. Galatians chapter 1, and I want you to look at verse 4. Galatians chapter 1, verse 4, I'll read it from the King James. It says, who gave himself for our sins. That was God's will for him. God's will for him was to be our sacrifice for sins, was to give his life. Who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world. According to the what? The will of God and our Father. Jesus did what he did according to the will of God. That was God's will for Jesus. And if Jesus has a will from God, then you have a will from God. Every one of us has a will from God. Okay? Charles Hummel said this, Here's the secret of Jesus' life and work for God. He prayerfully waited for his Father's instructions and for the strength to follow them. Jesus had no divinely drawn blueprint. He, he discerned the Father's will day by day in a life of prayer. Alright? Go with me to John chapter 4. I'm going to take you through a journey of the Gospel of John today, and we're going to see Jesus is doing God's will in action. Because how many know that if Jesus did it, you can do it? If Jesus knew God's will, you can know God's will. It didn't take long. Jesus at 12 knew that he had to be about his father's business. Jesus at 12 years old knew that his father had a business. And he was part of it. Say, my father's got a business. And I'm part of it. Yeah, you got a part in the father's business. Amen? His business is kingdom business. We, we have been sent here to build the kingdom, to support the kingdom, amen, to promote the kingdom. Hallelujah. I'm not building my kingdom, I'm building his kingdom. Amen? I'm not building it, I'm just helping to build it. He's already got it built. 
He's already got it designed. Alright, so John chapter 4 and verse 34. John 4 and verse 34. Knowing God's will. It's the most important thing that you need to know besides knowing Jesus as your Savior. You need to know God's will for your life. And it's never too late to get in on God's will. Do you realize Moses, he didn't really start God's will until he was 80. I mean, yeah, he was saved as a baby, brought up in Pharaoh's house, but his will was to deliver God's people. Can you imagine starting God's will when you're 80? Amen? Hey, he lived to be 120 or something like that, right? His last 40 years were his greatest 40 years. Amen? If you don't know what God's will is, it's never too late to start. All right, John 4, 34. Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Jesus, when you think of meat, you think of daily sustenance. Amen? Jesus was a meat eater. He ate lamb and fish, right? Amen? Glory to God. He had priests roast meat, amen? And they got to eat roasted meat, glory to God. But Jesus said, my meat is to what? Is to do the will of him that sent me. Every one of us have been sent. We have been sent by someone. You you just didn't show up. You were sent. You were created. You were designed. And God brought you here. God is the reason that you're here. Amen. Yes, he used your parents to bring you here. But like I said with Joseph, it doesn't matter how you got to where you need to be. Amen. Just so you're there in the right place at the right time. And not only did he want to do God's will, he wanted to finish his work. Let's listen. If you want to check out of this earth, that's fine. But finish your work first. Right. It's like your mom always said, finish your mashed potatoes and you can have dessert, right? Amen? Jesus was not only interested in doing his Father's will, but to finishing his work. we got to have that mentality. This is a mentality of someone who found God's will and did God's will and loved God's will. Amen? So knowing God's will. Alright? Let's go to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. And let's start with verse 19. John 5 and verse 19. Then answered Jesus and said, Now can we rely on what's being said? Why? Jesus is talking. Can Jesus lie? No, Jesus is the absolute truth. What he's telling you is true. It's reliable. It's trustworthy. Okay? Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself. Whoa. If the Son can't do anything of himself, how can I do anything of myself? But what he sees the Father do, for what things soever he does, these also do the Son likewise. He does what he sees his Father do in the same manner, in the same way. 
How do you, how can you see someone do something? You gotta have a close relationship with them. If you wanna know God's will, you're gonna have to walk close with God. You're gonna have to have intimate fellowship with Him. And in those times of fellowship and exchange and communication, He's gonna show you what His will is for you. He's gonna give you instructions. He's gonna guide you. He's gonna lead you. Amen? Jesus can do nothing of himself. But what he sees the Father do, that's what he does. That means he's always looking to the Father. That means he's watching the Father. Right? Jesus did this to his dad. I'm watching you. And his dad goes, I'm watching you too. Right? Okay? Verse 20. For the Father loves the Son. I guarantee you the Father loves anybody who embraces His will. Now the Father loves us all. That's never going to change. But there's a special extra relationship with those who embrace His will. He gets a little closer. Amen? His voice gets a little clearer. Hallelujah. The Father loves the Son and shows Him all things that Himself does. The Father is pleased when you want to learn about what He's doing. The Father is excited when His child wants to learn about what He's doing and what He wants you to do. Amen? We need to go to God and say, Hey God, how did you do that? Can I do that? Amen? So he shows him all things that he does, and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. It just keeps getting better and better with God. Amen? He'll show you greater things. Glory to God. That you'll be amazed. Verse 21, for as the Father raises up the dead and quickens them, even so the Son quickens whom he will. I'll tell you what, if if God gives life, then Jesus gives life. Because why? I saw my father do it, so I can do it. Why? I want to do his will. It's God's will to raise the dead. Spiritually dead. Physically dead. Do you realize that uh, death came in the world through sin and Jesus did something with sin? So if he did something with sin which brought death, he did something with death. Amen? Okay? Verse 22, for the father judges no man, but has committed all judgment to his son. Why? Because he commits judgment to one who, who does his will wholeheartedly. Verse 23, all men should honor the son even as they honor the father. Why? Because they're doing the same thing. They're the same. All right? they're, they're in perfect harmony, perfect agreement, perfect unity. Okay? So if you honor the son, you honor the father. All right? He that honors not the Son, honors not the Father. How do you dishonor the Father? By not doing what He wants. When God tells you what His will is and you don't do it, you are dishonoring Him. Mm. I know that that's tough, but it's true. There was a holy hush across the place there. So if you don't honor the son, who's the son? That's the word. If you don't know what the written word says, God doesn't honor you. You got to do what the written word says. The written word was given to you to do it. 
not to put it on a shelf. We're supposed to do what this word says. Amen. Say, I do what the word says. When you do what the word says, God will honor you. When you don't do what the word says, God will not honor you. This is Jesus talking. I didn't say it. I'm just telling you what Jesus said. So if you get mad, you're mad at him. <laughs> Amen. All right. Verse, uh, verse 24. He truly, truly, I say unto you, he that hears my word and believes on him that sent me has everlasting life and should not come into condemnation, but is passed from death to life. You got to hear God's will and you got to believe God's will in order to do God's will. Amen? You gotta hear it. You gotta believe it so that you can do it. Because doing God's will takes faith. It's not something that is, it's, it's not an, a natural inclination of a person who lived in sin for many years. What do I mean by that? When we were in sin, we weren't inclined to do God's will. But now that we got born again, we're inclined to do God's will. Amen? And it's a lot easier now than when, when I wasn't born again, but still your flesh fights you in doing God's will. Because your flesh doesn't really want to do God's will, but guess what? We can make it. All of you got up this morning. You told your alarm clock, I'm not snoozing. I'm coming. Amen? Hallelujah. All right. So we see the connection between the Son and the Father. All right. It's like uh, Jesus is using an analogy of a son learning a trade from his father. You know, if you're teaching someone a trade, like you're a carpenter, electrician, a teacher, whatever, um, at Winter Bible Seminar, there was a young student whose English uh, assignment was to shadow someone who they want to do the type of work. So someone was shadowing Pastor Denise for the day, a young girl, and she got to help her with announcements. But when you're teaching someone a trade, right, you're showing them how to use the tools. You're showing them what to do. You're showing them the finished product. You're teaching them, right? You're, you're there with them. This is, the, this is the illustration that Jesus is talking about. It's like, it's like a father teaching his son a trade. Amen? Why would you teach someone a trade so that they can carry it on? When you get to a point where you can't carry it on, there's someone else behind you to carry it on. Amen? God designed the family of God that way. He designed his work to go on from generation to generation to generation. Amen? Until he returns again. Hallelujah. Boy, this is so good. Hallelujah. So the son, he gives life to anybody he wants. Why? Because that's what he saw the father do. That's what he heard the father do. That's what the father's will is. You know, you can demonstrate your will by the actions you take. What is God's will concerning sickness? How do we know that? Because Jesus demonstrated at many occasions when sick people came to him, he did not say, what is my will? His will was to heal them. His will was to deliver them. His will was to take away their pain. His will was to relieve that, that pain and pressure, whatever that sickness was doing. 
Amen? He went about doing good and healing all who were sick and oppressed of the devil because God was with him. So we know what his will is because we saw him do it in the pages. Amen? Maybe you've seen testimonies or you yourself have have had a testimony of God's healing power. God is a healer. That's who he is. And if it's who he is, it's what he does. Amen? Hallelujah. All right? So, the Bible, you know, F.F. Uh, um, F. Bosworth, he, was, he had great healing crusades back in the early 1900s. And he wrote a book called Christ the Healer. And he said, faith begins where the will of God is known. When you know, when you find out what God's will is, then you can have faith to do it. Faith begins where the will of God is known. But if you don't know if God wants it or if God desires it, it's really hard to have faith for it, isn't it? Can I get a witness for that? Amen? Okay. See, in order to get to where you need to be, you you had to pass from death to life. You could not get to where God wants you to be in a state of deadness called spiritual deadness. Spiritual death simply means you're separated from God. That's what we were when we were sinners. Notice I said we were sinners. You're not a sinner anymore. You got born again. When you got born again, you got a new nature. The old sin nature was taken out. It was removed. Gone. Bye-bye. Never to come back again. Sha-na-na-na. Hey, hey, hey. Goodbye. Right? Say, I am not an old sinner saved by grace. I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. Yeah, that's who you are. Don't ever label yourself as an old sinner. Because it's not true. Jesus didn't put a new coat of paint on you. He gave you a new nature, a new heart. He renewed you from the inside out. Amen? Glory to God. Pastor, you ought to go to Winter Bible Seminar more. You're on fire, man. Do you realize if you hadn't passed, dead people don't do anything. They just lay there. They don't talk. They don't interact. They're just there. They don't do it. They can't go anywhere. If you would have been still dead in your sins, you wouldn't have been able to get to where God wants you to be. The GPS signal would have been jarbled. Your map would have been tore up. You know, one time when I was in the Czech Republic in 1994, I was with a group from Lee. And I had the distinct privilege of leading this group to this place in Moravia where we were going to be for a couple days. And we had to take a train, right? And they drew me a map on the paper, okay? That's great. But you know what? When we got off the train, it was pouring down rain. My map started to run. I could barely make it out anymore. The map, the, the ink was all running on the paper. But we ended up, thanks for the grace of God, we ended up to where we needed to be. We had to walk like four miles from the train stop, because I don't know if we got off on the wrong stop or what, but we had to walk in the rain, soaking rain. We got to this cabin. It was off of a main road on a dirt road back into a village. You wouldn't even think anything was back there. But there was this nice cabin, and the only food that we had was noodles. No, no sauce, no salt, no pepper, just noodles. You ever have boiled noodles with nothing on them? Because the time that we got to this cabin, everything was closed in the village. 
We had to wait till the next day to go buy bread and stuff like that. But hey, when when all you got is noodles, what do you do? You eat noodles. And you just you just smile and say, boy, these these are the best noodles I ever had. Best plain noodles with nothing on them. (laughs) That's a true story. And and I'll tell you how good God is. My my team leader, who was one of the instructors at Lee at the time, Alan McClung, and his wife was there and their daughter, someone gave them a car. And they were going to drive down to where we were the next day, right? Well, here's how God works. God, God puts on my heart that I need to go walk and pray the next day. So I told the group, I said, I'm going to go walk and pray. So I'm walking and I'm praying, you know, just having a good time with God. I get to the end of the dirt road, right? And I'm out there where the main road was. And just at the time that I'm there, my leader's coming down in the car. And he told me, he said, if you hadn't have been there when we were driving by, we'd have missed this road. Because at least they had a car. Their map probably wasn't running like mine was. I mean, seriously, I mean, you know, by the time I got, the map was just like running ink. Well, I'll tell you what, if you don't have an internal GPS, you'll be in trouble. Thank God for the internal GPS. All right. Let's go down to uh, verse 30. John chapter 5, verse 30. I can of my own self do nothing. This is Jesus talking. If you can't do anything on your own self, what do you got to do? You got to rely on someone else. But the question is, who do you rely on? You got to rely on someone stable, someone steadfast, someone true. You got to rely on God. Jesus relied on God. So when Jesus says, trust me, he knows what he's talking about because he did it. I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just. Why? Because I'm listening to him. I'm listening to the truth. I'm connected to the truth. I'm in fellowship with the truth. Amen? The Amplified says, I can do nothing on my own initiative or my own authority. Okay? And then he says, because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. How did Jesus seek his Father's will? He would go away at night and pray, sometimes all night. Or he would wake up early before his disciples woke up, and he would go pray. And in those times, he was seeking the Father's will. He was seeking what God wanted him to do, God's desires. What is a will? It's it's someone's desires. It's, uh, It's God's preferred, you know, God's got a perfect will. And a, a permissive will. You, you know, it was not God's will for Israel to have a king. God wanted to be their king, right? But what did they do? Oh God, we want a king! We want a king! Now, <clears throat> if you have any children, and your children whined so much that they wanted something, how many, don't raise your hand. But parents have given kids 
Something that they didn't really deserve because they whined so much about it. Can I get a witness? Amen. Yeah, yeah. We've all done it. Would you just stop whining? <laughs> but this is what we did with God. Israel whined so much that they wanted a king that God said, okay, you're going to have a king. But it wasn't his perfect will. It was his permissive will. He said, now this is what the, this is what the king's going to do. He's going to take your taxes. He's going to take your kids. He's going to take your lands. He's going to oppress you. But we want to, we want to be like everybody else. God didn't want him to be like everybody else. He didn't want him to be like the world. He wanted to be like the kingdom. I mean, God's the best king ever. Why would you want anybody else? But that desire to be like the world. I want you to listen to Jesus' words. I seek not my own will. How many of us are seeking our own will? We're not taking the time to get God's advice. We're not taking the time to get God's uh, perspective on our situation. No. I want to do what I want to do, and I'm going to do what I want to do. Yeah. Jesus wasn't like that. Jesus sought the will of God. And, and God said, if you seek me, you're going to find me. Amen? Okay, verse 32, or 31. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. <laughs> um, you can't toot your own horn. <laughs> Jesus did not bear witness of himself. He let the Father testify. He let his works testify. He let the Holy Spirit testify. But he did not testify of himself. Let me tell you about me. My favorite subject. (laughs) You know, the authority for eternal life didn't come from you. It came from God. If you want God's authority and power, you you need to know and do God's will. The reason he gives you authority and power is to do his will, not to do your own will. Oh, I got power from Jesus to do what I want. No. (laughs) No. I don't even preach what I want. Seriously. I'm praying all week. Okay, what am I going to preach on Sunday? I don't know. I don't know. God will show me. Okay, Saturday or Friday or no Saturday, yeah. He shows me. I'm, I'm in the plane, man, taking notes. This is, I did this in the plane. Come in here. You know, God, God, when you follow God, you just have to go with the flow. Amen? Don't be so uptight about if it's not your time. Right? Just let God do it. Okay? Just, just be confident in God. Amen? I knew God was going to give you something. I didn't know what it was, but this is it. Okay? Alright, verse 32. There is another that bears witness of me, and I know that that witness is, which he witnessed of me is true. You sent unto John, and he bear witness unto the truth. Okay? John bear witness unto Jesus, right? Because God called John to be a forerunner. That was, that was John's will. That was God's will for John. To be a forerunner. To go before Jesus and, and make way for the king. The king's coming. The king's coming. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's coming. There he is. And then uh, the Pharisees, you know, they like to stir up things. Jesus' disciples were baptizing more people than John. And the Pharisees said, you know, John, uh, they're baptizing more people than you. And John just smiled and said, he must increase, I must decrease. 
Come on. You got to magnify Jesus in your life. Don't, 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 don't succumb to the pressure of competition. Amen? We're not in competition. Hallelujah. Verse 34, I receive not testimony from man, but these things I say that you might be saved. Alright, verse 36, I have a greater witness than that of John, for the works which the Father has given me to finish, the same works that I do. Every healing, Jesus saw his Father heal that person. Every place Jesus went, he heard his father say, go to this place. When Jesus got to the well, he knew that he had to go to Samaria. And he, he just happened to be at a well because he was thirsty. But he was, he was ready. He knew that he had to be there, but he didn't know why he was going to be there. But he was in the right place at the right time. Amen. Just like Peter was in the right place at the right time at Cornelius' house. He didn't know why he was going there. He just knew that he had to be there. Some people don't know why they're at VCF. They just know that they have to be there. Why? It's God's will. If God brought you here, then God is the only one who can send you away. If you leave for any other reason other than God, you're missing God. Oh, that didn't go over so well. You can say amen or on me. It's true anyway. Hallelujah. So notice John, uh, the, uh, the Holy Spirit was bearing witness that the Father sent him. Okay? How many times has he said the Father sent him now? Like three? If the Father sent Jesus, he sent you. Amen? If Jesus was sent, Jesus didn't just went, he was sent. Amen? So were you. You were sent here. Not Well, you were sent here, plus you were sent here on this earth at this time to do something for God. You weren't just sent here to make money. But if God says, I want you to make money, then yeah, you make money. Amen. Nothing wrong with making money. Making money is good. Amen. There's, there's actually a ministry of giving in Romans 12. A ministry of giving. Well, in order to give, you've got to be, you've got to be bringing it in. Amen. Praise God for the ministry of giving. He said, do it with cheerfulness. Glory to God. A giver, man, they get excited to give. Glory to God. Something happens. Okay? Verse 37. And the Father himself, which has sent me, has borne witness of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his shape. And you have not his word abiding in you, for whom he has sent, him you believe not. Did everybody believe in Jesus? No. But God was the one who sent him. He was the word made flesh. Amen. And there were people in Jesus' day that didn't believe in who he was. And there are, there are people today that don't believe in Jesus. Why? They don't love him because they don't do what he says. You know, the proof of love is doing what he said. If you're not doing what he said, you don't love him. That's another one just, you know. Pastor, you, bring, you bought some lead balloons from Tulsa. You know, sometimes you've got to say stuff. Amen? If you want to know God's will, you've got to have his word abiding in you. It can't just be in your head. It's got to be in your heart. You've got to know it. 
You want God's voice? You want to hear God's voice clearly? Let the word abide in you. He speaks the language of the word. You want to increase your hearing? Increase your word. Amen? They're the same thing. All right? Verse, uh, Um, verse 40 and you will not come to me that you might have life he told, he told the Pharisees in verse 39 you search the scriptures for in, in them you think you have eternal life and they are which testify of me if you search the scriptures you would say oh that's Jesus you would find Jesus if you actually looked to the scriptures right but the Pharisees didn't look to the scriptures they looked to the law and how they could uh Benefit themselves or control other people. And that's not what God had intended. Um, Alright, verse 43. I am not, I am come in my Father's name, and you receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him you will receive. Alright? How many people receive a lot of things other than Jesus? Right? But he came in the Father's name. Okay? I am, I am, uh, Verse 44, how can you believe which receive honor one of another and seek not the honor that comes from God? You know, some people just want to uh, seek the honor of themselves. So what is a believer? He said if you don't believe, right, you've got to believe in whom he sent. Okay? What is a believer? Let me just give you some things that God gave to me of what a believer. A believer is obedient. Amen? You know, we ought to say amen on this because this defines who we are. Believers are followers and imitators of God's way, principles, and plan. Believers are doers. Right? Jesus said you got to believe me, right? A believer is a doer. They apply their life to the word. Notice I said they apply their life, not the word to their life. They apply their life to the word. Why? Which is the standard? Your word or your life? The word is the standard, so you want to apply your life to the word, right? How can I do it? How can I imitate it? How can I bring this out? Okay? Believers are believers love God and people. If you're a believer, you love God and you love people, amen? Because we're in the people business. Glory to God. But you don't know what they did to me. Love them anyway. Love covers a multitude of sins. You know, God loved us while we were yet sinners, a sinner is one that was contrary to God, so he loved people who were contrary to him. And he gives us his love. Amen? Believers know who they are in Christ and walk in light. Believers fellowship regularly with other believers. Oh, that's also a scripture, but I'm not going to go there right now. Believers are filled with God's purpose and are about the Father's business. Believers learn or lean entirely on Jesus. Believers lean entirely on Jesus. I can do of myself, do nothing. Believers are sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Believers are fully persuaded, convinced, assured, and for certain that God's word is the map of life and the Holy Spirit is the GPS to get us to our divine destination. How many believe that? If you believe that, say amen. Glory to God. Jesus is the map and the Holy Ghost is the GPS and they work together. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right, let's go to John chapter 6.
continuing on God's will, knowing God's will. We're learning how to do God's will from the best, right? Jesus, there's no other person that so accomplished God's will perfectly. I mean, there's others, you know, Enoch, he learned how to please God, right? So much so that what happened? God took him. He didn't even die. He just stepped into heaven. You know, Enoch is walking that day and God says, Enoch, I want you to come here. One step and there he is. He left this earth and no one knew where he went. Why? He walked with God. He fellowshiped with God. He knew God's will. He did God's will. Amen? Are you here this morning? Okay. John 6, verse 32. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. You know, people wanted the bread, but they didn't know it was a person. When they found out it was a person, they didn't want the bread. (laughs) Notice. For the bread of God is he which comes down from heaven and gives... In terms of bread, bread is like a staple, right? How many eat bread often? Every day, right? (laughs) Glory to God. Rye bread, pumpernickel bread, sourdough bread. We got all kinds of bread, don't we? How often did the Israelites have to get manna? Every day except for the Sabbath, right? How often are you going to fellowship? How often should you fellowship with God? Every day. That's where you get your fresh manna. Right? We're not looking for something that came on the ground. We're looking for something that came from the sky. Jesus. Jesus is the bread of heaven. Right? You want, you want him to be sustained in the kingdom? You've got to take your daily bread. Jesus prayed to give us our daily bread. Amen? Okay? He's the bread from heaven. Then they said, Lord, give us this bread. Oh, yeah, this bread sounds good. We want bread from heaven. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He that comes to me shall never hunger. He that believes on me shall never thirst. How many want to never hunger or thirst? Right? Well, Jesus will sustain you. you got to find sustenance in life for, of, from Jesus. Right? He's the thing that will invigorate you. He's the thing. Amen? He, he's not the thing, but he's a person. Glory to God. Jesus will sustain you. Jesus will be there for you. When things get tough, he's, he's right there with you. He's ready to carry you through if necessary. Amen? Do you remember when Paul was facing a shipwreck? What happened? God sent an angel that stood right next to him to encourage him through the storm, through the turmoil, through the trouble. God will give you a word and he'll get you through. But you've got to be doing his will. You can't neglect his will. You can't not do what God wants us to do. We got to do what he wants us to do. Why? He paid a high price so that you could do his will. He gave his life so that you could do his will. He died on a cross, shed his blood, was buried in a tomb, went to hell for you. So that you don't have to. And all he wants us to do is for us to do his will. That's a pretty simple exchange. Amen? Glory to God. Hallelujah. So Jesus came down from heaven. Verse 38. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. There he is again. 
This is like the fourth time that he's saying this in two chapters. Say, I'm sent. And I'm here to do God's will. Amen? Hallelujah. All right, verse 39. And this is the Father's will which he has sent me, that all of which he has given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up on the last day. Aren't you glad? Anybody that follows Jesus, we're going to be raised up on the last day. He promises that just as he was raised, we're going to be raised. Glory to God. If, if, we, if we die before Jesus comes, we're going to get raised up. Amen? Glory to God. That's a promise that we have. Okay? Verse 40, this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which sees the Son and believes on him may have everlasting life. Notice may. Why? You gotta believe. You gotta believe. And I will raise him up on the last day. Someone say amen. Alright, let's go down to verse 44. Knowing God's will. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. You know, there's a drawing to God. Every one of us, we heard a call to come to Jesus. And I'm so glad that you picked up the phone and answered the call. Amen? You didn't put God on hold. Maybe you did for a couple years. (laughs) Right? Maybe you were at first reluctant. I know I was reluctant. When God was calling me, I'm like, I'm not really sure about this. And, but, you know, he kept working on my heart. He kept working on my heart. And he kept calling. Amen? Amen? Do you realize that when Samuel was learning to hear God, that God spoke to him four times? And, and when God first spoke to Samuel, the Bible said that the, the revelation of the word was not so much in that day. Right? We are inundated with the word today. We got it on our phones, we got it on our iPads, we got it on the internet, we got Bibles upon Bibles. Our Bibles have Bibles. Right? We got so much, we have so much access to the Word. It's not the access that's the problem, it's the doing of it that's the problem. We have access to it, but people aren't doing it. Not here, I mean, y'all, y'all are doing it. Right? But there are people in the world that aren't doing, there are people in churches that aren't doing God's will. Oh, well, I went to church today, I did God's will. No, you didn't. Going to church, yeah, God wants you to be in church, but just going to church is not doing his will. How are you serving the people in your church? Oh. This pastor's on fire. <laughs> you know, you got to have a break in the seriousness every now and then. All right, verse 45. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be taught of God. Is it God's will for you to be taught? Absolutely. Every man before that he has heard and has learned of the Father comes to me. You know, if, if, if you're taught you've come to God, then you're going to come to Jesus too. Amen? Not that any man has seen the Father, 
save uh, he which is of God, he has seen the Father. Jesus saw the Father because he was there with him. He was there creating the world with him. Right? Let, uh, let us, let us make man in our image. Us and our are plural. That means the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were at creation. Father, Son, Holy Spirit were making man in their image and in their likeness. Can you say amen? You are made in the image of God. Yes. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right, let me, let me give you some scriptures about God's will. Okay? Go with me to Psalm 40, verse 8. Psalm 40, verse 8. See, when you accept Jesus, now you need to remain in him. Psalm 40, verse 8. Hallelujah. Notice what the psalmist said. I delight to do what? Your will, O my God. Yea, the law is within my heart. How many are delighted to do God's will? Why? It's good to do God's will. It's such a good feeling to do God's will. I don't, I don't know why I'm doing that today. That's just coming out. But we got a delight to do God's will. It's a good thing. You know, God will never overburden you. Whatever he tells you to do, he's already given you the grace, strength, and ability to do it. I heard a test. Oh, I got to tell you this. One of the speakers at Winter Bible Seminar had some pictures of Ur, where Abraham grew up. At that time, Ur was the largest city in the world. And they had air-conditioned houses. They learned how to channel the river underneath their homes, which brought coolness to their homes. And they had homes that had 14 rooms. And there was a temple in Ur. This guy showed pictures. He's over Ramah, Kenya. Uh, one temple in Ur, was the building was two acres. Two acres big. We, uh, come on. Abraham had air conditioning before he got into a tent. Won't charge you anything extra, but that's just. Yeah, it's online. You can watch it. That was uh, Vidar Ligard. He's from Norway, but he's over Raymond. You know, uh, he had he had a guy come to him. And this guy started to plant churches. He went through the Bible school there in Kenya. And so he started to plant churches in the Maasai tribe. They're a nomadic tribe. But he went to the remote places where no one thought, where everybody thought it was impossible. He planted 50 churches, right? And he came back to Vidar and he said, do you have anything harder? Do you have anything harder for me to do? This man planted 50 churches in remote places that everybody thought it was too hard. And he planted, do you have anything harder for me to do? Come on, somebody. we got to raise the level today. Amen. We, we think so small, so minute. Hallelujah. we got to take the limits of our thinking and expand God's will on this earth. My goodness. Go to Psalm 143. Psalm 143. Hallelujah. Look at verse 10. 
Psalm 143, verse 10. I want you to know how good God gracious, how gracious God is. Teach me to do your will. If you don't know what God's will is, he will teach you. Who's his teacher? The Holy Spirit. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. I want you to notice these psalmists made God personal. Is he your God? He's not just a God, he's your God. Why? I entered into a personal relationship with him. Thy spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. In order for you to do God's will, you got to be led by the Spirit. That's actually the second part to this message. I got two parts in one, one setting, knowing God's will and hearing his voice. Maybe hearing his voice next Sunday, we'll see what God wants. Amen. Go to Matthew 6.10. Matthew 6.10. We could probably quote this. It's part of the Lord's Prayer. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hallelujah. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. God wants his will done on this earth. He wants some people who will delight in him, who will do what he says, go where he says go, be who he says be, and do what he wants. Amen? That's how we're going to impact this world. That's how we're going to bring the gospel. Amen? God wants his gospel preached in all the earth. He, and you are part of this business. You are part of the gospel preaching business. Don't be a silent partner. Did you catch that? Don't be a silent partner. Use your voice. All right. Matthew 7.21. Matthew 7.21. Interesting scripture. Jesus, once again, is talking here. There's nobody better. I mean, we're learning from the master today about doing God's will. You know, these news channels, they have experts on. I mean, when things happen in the world, you know, I've never seen so much experts. They come out of the woodwork. Expert of this, expert of that. This, I'm telling you today, I'm giving you a lesson from the master who's an expert on doing God's will. His name is Jesus. It only took him 33 and a half years to do God's will. Actually, three and a half years. If you want to be technical about it. Well, actually, uh, never mind. Matthew seven twenty one. Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall come into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Yeah, people can talk a good talk. I don't care what you say. I want to see what you do. You can say, Lord, Lord, all you want. Yeah, I'm part of a church. Yeah, really? Okay. Lord, Lord, are you doing what he said? People who say to me, Lord, Lord, are not going to enter the kingdom of God except those who do my will. you got to be a doer of the will in order to enter the kingdom. Can someone say amen? All right. In Mark 21, 28, you don't have to turn there. There was a parable of two sons. Okay. And one son said, yeah, I'll go out and do what you want me to do. The father asked the sons to do something. And one said, yeah, I'll go out. But he never did. And the other son said, no, I'm not going to do it. But he got convicted in his heart. Then he went and did it. And Jesus said, which one of these did the father's will? They said, the second one, the one who did it. Amen. We got to be that. We got to be that son. We got to be the one who does his will. 
How many are willing to do God's will in your life? No matter what it takes. Do you realize? I learned this too at Winter Bible Seminar. When Abraham obeyed God, he lived in the tent the rest of his life. Because that's the sacrifice of obeying God. You know, obeying God is a sacrifice. You've got to die to self. Amen? Now, Abraham was a rich tent dweller. Abraham was loaded. He had gold, silver, riches, cattle, sheep, oxen. And you know the 318 servants? He probably had a 1,000 employees. Come on, say some all. That's our heritage. Amen? How many, do you realize God's will is for you to be blessed and rich? Okay, that's about four yeses. Some of you aren't convinced. Can we just, let me just take a little break here. Go to 2 Corinthians 8. Hold your place here. Go to 2 Corinthians 8. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. Let me see here. Verse 9, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be rich. Rich is a Bible word. Jesus became poor so that you can become rich. Why do you need to be rich? Rich means abundantly supplied for. You have more than enough so you can take care of you and you can bless others. Amen? Jesus became poor. He left heaven to earth. That's poverty. When you live in a place where you don't need a generator and it's light all the time, that's rich. And you come to a place where it gets dark eight hours a day. That's poor. Amen? But he became poor so that you, me, I could become rich. He gives you the power to get wealth. Deuteronomy 8.18. So that he may establish his covenant on the earth. Oh, my goodness. All right. Back to... Go to Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. And then I'm going to be done, I think. Mark chapter 3. <laughs> you know, maybe some of you are praying for a miracle. God comes back and pastor will give me a short sermon. <laughs> keep, keep believing in faith. It'll, it'll happen. Keep believing. <laughs> I, can't, I can't help it. The word is just so good. <laughs> when, when I was an evangelist, I had a saying, blessed are the short-winded, they shall be invited back. <laughs> Mark chapter 3, verse 32. Mark 3, verse 32. And the multitude sat about him. And they said unto him, Behold, your mother and your brethren without uh, seek for you. And he answered them, saying, Who is my mother or who is my brethren? And he looked round about on them which sat about him and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren, 
For whosoever shall do the will of God, the same as my brother and my sister and my mother. Whoa. Who's talking? Jesus is talking, right? Natural human ties and affections are subordinate to doing God's will. Natural human affections are subordinate. That means they come under. God considers it more important for someone to do his will. Now, that doesn't mean you don't take care of your family. It doesn't mean you don't help your family. All right? But in your mindset, you know that God is first. Seek first what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. Okay? God has to be first in your life. He has to be the number one priority. Okay? How about an amen? So be it on that. Some of you need to adjust your priorities. God's not on the top of the list. Obedience to him is the first main thing to which everything else bows. If others compete or interfere with him, what are you going to pick? Out of a common obedience, new ties are formed. A spiritual connection can be and should be greater than a natural connection. Well, we're connected to blood. Yeah, but so am I. So are we. Which blood is greater? Oh, the blood that we're connected with is eternal. Is yours eternal? No. So which blood is greater? We put, we put emphasis on the blood. Well, they're my blood. Yeah, so is he. He shed his blood for us. If it wasn't for his blood, we couldn't be where we are today. Amen? We got to have a stronger connection with God than we do in the affairs. The affairs of life will come in and choke the word. And I, I, I'm telling you this, the devil will make your calendar full. He'll do anything he can to try to distract you from doing God's will. Because he's a, he's a dirtbag, he's a liar, he's a thief. He comes to steal. He'll start stealing your focus. Then he'll start stealing your money. Then he'll start stealing your time, and eventually you're going to be destroyed, and you won't even know what happened. Jesus said this. I did not say it. Jesus, the Lord of the church, the head of the church, said this. Amen? we got to live our lives being eternally minded. Amen? But knowing God's will. God wants you to know his will. Let me just finish with these two scriptures in, in the book of Colossians. If you want to know God's will, I want you to go to Colossians 1 verse 9. Colossians 1, 9, and listen to this. For this reason, since the day we heard about it, we have not stopped praying for you. A prayer to know God's will. If you don't know God's will for your life, if you don't know God's will for this season in your life, you know, sometimes we have seasons. Sometimes we're, we're here for a season and, and maybe we're in another place for a season. But, uh, you know, crops don't grow the same in every season, right? Every, every crop has its own season, right? 
Okay? We have not stopped praying for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. With all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord and pleasing him in all things. How many want to please God? You know, doing God's will is pleasing him. It pleases him. Amen? Bearing fruit in every good work and steadily growing in the knowledge of God. Now go to chapter 4. Chapter 4. And look at verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of you and a bondservant of Christ Jesus, sends you greeting. He is always striving for you in his prayers. Praying with genuine concern that you may... Stand firm and fully be fully assured in all the will of God. For I testify for him that he has worked strenuously. So two prayers in one book that you can know God's will. Amen. Knowing God's will is so important. It's the best decision you'll ever make. It'll bring you the greatest joy. When you're doing God's will, there's nothing like it in the world. I've done my own will at times. I've done God's will at times. And God's will's better. It's fulfilling. It's satisfying. It's wonderful. It has challenges, but those challenges seem so small. Amen? And uh, we're going to keep doing God's will. Amen? Individually, as a church, hallelujah, we're going to do God's will. God raised up a church called Victory Christian Fellowship, right here in Palmyra, Pennsylvania. He put it on the heart of Harvey Good, who took over a small group, and that group grew, and that group purchased land. That group built a building. Amen? He didn't know what the future was going to hold. Harvey's in the grandstands of heaven now. He's cheering us on. He, can, he, can, he knows what's happening. He's, he's still seeing fruit that's coming from the place that God had him. He was in God's will. He started this place, and we're going to carry on this place. We're going to be here until God says, uh, do something else. Amen? We're going to do what God wants while we're here. Amen. We are here to impact our community, to raise the standard in Palmyra, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, to help people find their inheritance and treasure in God's word, to heal the sick, to open up blind eyes, to get raise people from spiritual death and physical death, to see people healed and filled with the knowledge of God's will in the name of Jesus. That's why we're here. And we're going to continue to do what we're doing in the name of Jesus, because our God is good. He's the one who set this up. He's the one who over this. This is all his work. Amen. And God brought you here for such a time as this. You're not here to just take up space, to sit in a chair. You are here to impact your generation. Amen. With the gospel, you live it, you speak it, people see it on you. Bring the gospel to your workplace. Bring the gospel to your school. Amen. Don't you think God is smarter than any person in the world? He can outsmart the devil at any time. You don't have to fear anything. I was going to say nothing, but that's wrong English. It's time, to, it's time for us to rise up and take our place and be doing what God wants, when he wants, how he wants. And if we don't know what he wants, you ask him and he will tell you. How about God's will for your family? How about God's will for your home? How about God's will for your future? 
It doesn't stop here. Well, I think I'm going to retire here. Really? Have you asked God about it? He might have another suggestion. Or should I say a commandment? But God, even though God gives commands, he doesn't force you to do them. He gives you the option. You can choose to do God's will. Or you can choose not to do God's will. The fruit that come on your tree will show whose will you did. My heart breaks. For I know that people who have come through here, come through this place, who have been touched by God in some way, shape, or form, and a lot of them are not here anymore. They're not doing God's will. I have a heart for people. I want to see people operate in the power of God. I want to see people use their gifts. It excites me. When I see Pastor Nelson preach on Wednesday, amen. Thank God for him and Pastor Nadine. Thank God for the worship team, signature worship. Thank God for Air Force New Generation. They're making so much money, they're going to have to get some of those cash machines. I'm telling you, they are going after it. I love it. I love it. That excites me. Kids' life. Pastor Fiona writes the curriculum. She's been writing curriculum for years. For our kids' life, they're being taught the word. They're being taught how to live in faith every day. Bible adventure. We're reaching out into the schools. People from the third, third, fourth, and fifth graders are getting saved. They're getting, they're coming to know Jesus for the first time. They come from messed up homes, but they can come and hear the truth, a glimpse of truth for an hour of a day. Hallelujah. The men's group, Barnabas group, woven the women's group. Amen. Media team, camera workers, sound workers, administrative person, kitchen people. Hallelujah. Greeters, ushers. Yeah, our goal is not to stay small. We want to grow. And we're going to grow. We're going to grow. This place is going to be overflow. Amen? They have plans to build a sanctuary out this way. Let's, let's bring that to pass. Well, you got to bring the people in. I mean, we got to bring people in. Amen? These upcoming events, that women's conference, this is a key critical point. An opportunity for us to bring people to a place to hear something they probably never heard before. Oh, yeah. Amen? Who, I'm telling you, who in our area would have been able to bring in Robin Bullock? I mean, that was a step of faith for us. Let me tell you something. And I just want to say, we were able to give Robin the, the, the biggest offering we've ever given a ministry in the name of Jesus. We blessed him abundantly. Five zeros. Four. Yeah, four. Thank you for correcting me. Why do we bring in things like that to feed the sheep? We bring in people, not because we want to bring in people, because they have something to impart to the people. And uh, for our men's conference, we're having Willie George's brother, 
John George for our men's conference. He's an evangelist. So that's going to be in October. All right, I, I've said enough for today. <laughs> sometimes I say too much sometimes. But how many want to do God's will? If you want to do God's will, I want you to stand to your feet. If you need to be healed in your body, it's God's will to heal you today. I don't think anybody needs to be saved because looking at everybody here, I know everybody, so y'all... All your names are written in God's Lamb's Book of Life. It's God's will for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. That's God's will. And God's got a plan for each and every one of you. He, it's a plan that he designed before you in your mother's womb. He wrote a book about you. And God wants to fulfill his will in your life. And if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and if you want to have a greater understanding of God's will then I want you to come up here right now in the name of Jesus. And if you want to be healed in your body, those three things, if you want to have a greater understanding of God's will, if you want to be healed in your body and be filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, that's what God's will is. And the thing about it is, He performs His will. We just have to agree to do it, and He'll do it through you. He doesn't expect you to do it on your own. I can't heal of myself, but Jesus can heal. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm. Oh, hallelujah. The Lord would say in